hello hello long time no see i haven't done this in a while this honestly feels a bit awkward long time no speak long time no hear welcome to right where you are the podcast where we explore what it means to be human and what it feels like to fully embody the human experience especially in our crazy fast-paced ever-changing world I am your host, Kangisa, and it is a pleasure to be here with you. It's a pleasure to have you here with me. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being right where you are with me, right where I am. You know, I don't know how to do that play on words, but you catch what I'm saying. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in. Thank you very much for sharing with me your very valuable time, very valuable attention. I want to give a very special, I've said very so many times, a very special thank you to my season one listeners. Thank you to everyone who has been here with me on this journey from the very beginning. Thank you very much for your continued support. I must be honest, I'm confused why. Like, I listened to season one and I feel so cringe about it. Because I'm really working on a trial and error basis, not going to lie. And I feel so cringe and so weird about season one. Because, well, firstly, after I released episode three, I experienced burnout. And so everything that came out after episode three came from this burnt out state that I was in. So I was very vulnerable And I just wasn't thinking straight. And so I listened to those episodes and I was like, why? Why did I do this? Why didn't I just like wait or something? But that's what this season is for. This season is titled and themed Learner Human. This is also my current Instagram handle. It's also the name of my blog. Yes, I have started a blog. It's called Learner Human. It's a WordPress blog. I'll leave the link to that in the show notes. So do check that out if you are interested. But the conversations there are just the same as here, exploring the strangeness of this human experience. But in this season, I really want for us to celebrate these strange parts, you know, the cringe and the weirdness and the awkwardness that comes with being human, but also to celebrate the delight and the joy and the pleasure, but also the pain and the sorrow and the confusion, because being human is such a complex experience. It's such a nuanced experience. Let me just take a sip of my water, because this episode, this episode is about to be a tough conversation for me. Okay, because we know that being human is so strange, so nuanced, so complex, in this episode, I'd like to get a bit weird, get a bit woo-woo, get a bit political with you. This episode acts as a caveat for whenever things do get political on this podcast. I don't necessarily want to share my stance 
and my political views. That's not what I want to do. Blah, blah. What I want to do. Wow. I'm going to leave that in there. Why? Because I'm a learner human and I'm learning that I'm imperfect. <laughs> and I'm just going to flow with this. Anyway, this episode acts as a caveat for when things get political because it's very difficult to talk about the human experience without touching into the realm of the social political because at the end of the day we humans are social beings and where there is community and society there is politics so i'm not necessarily giving you where i stand and my political opinions what i want to do here is to offer a way of looking at politics that can actually benefit us, a way of thinking and talking about politics that can actually create a new reality for us, right? First, I think I need to tell you that I've avoided this for some time. I've avoided speaking about politics for some time. I'm afraid of speaking about politics or speaking about justice or injustice or about oppressive systems, it's really tough for me to speak about such things, about things like capitalism, white supremacy, white body supremacy, coloniality, cis-heteronormativity, male dominance, all of those things. It's difficult for me to talk about these things simply because I'm afraid of who receives it and how they will perceive it, right? And I'm mostly concerned about people who share an identity with me because you cannot separate our identities from politics, right? I am a young, black, queer, neurodivergent, South African woman. And in many ways, I fit under the categories of human that are oppressed and marginalized in one way or another. So I'm concerned mostly about fellow people within marginalized, and I say marginalized with air quotes. I'm concerned about people within marginalized identities, especially intersectionally marginalized identities. Because as a person with an intersectionally marginalized identity, I have played quite a few roles while trying to speak up against my oppression and the oppression of others, whether those people were like me or unlike me. I've played a few roles trying to bring about change in the world and to put a stop to the violence, the physical and mental, psychological violence that is happening in the world, right? I've played the role of activist, the fighter. I've played the role of the pussy power feminist, the new age anti-capitalist liberal, the fist in the air black girl soldier, you know, Amanda vibes, you know. And I, I know I sound like I'm mocking, but I'm not. I, I'm kind of mocking my younger self who held such positions. But I do think that these roles have been necessary in bringing out change in the world. People who play these roles have done a lot in creating change and are the reason things have changed in some ways for us. But I, personally me, Rats, I stepped away from these roles because I realized that these roles create identities. 
and these identities just perpetuate the very thing that created these systems we're trying to fight against. And this thing is separation, right? By creating an identity where I can identify myself as this thing and someone else is that thing, I create further separation. And I know that the separation isn't our fault. I know that we create these identities in the name of empowerment, to try to empower ourselves. I know that we were born into this world where shit is crazy, earth is spinning, and we're clearly dizzy as humanity. I know that it's not our fault that the separation of these identities within humanity exists. That's not our fault. But these identities that we take on in the name of empowerment, they don't create change. They don't create full change because they create further separation. These roles create separation because they often come under other roles, right? I know when I played the role of fighter and activist, I've played under those roles. I've played the role of prosecutor where I am blaming and hating someone else, someone outside of me, and saying, this person is wrong. This person is evil. This identity, this group of people is evil. They are bad. But when I do that, I still point at someone outside of me, and I create a clear distinction between self and other. I create this distinction where I am victim and someone else is villain. The other role, actually, that goes hand in hand with the role of prosecutor is the role of victim. The role of victim is when we, we say, oh no, poor me, how could they, I've been wronged. You know, that's, that's just the, the general vibe of that role. I've played both of these roles. I've also played roles where I try to distance myself from politics. Sometimes these are roles like the role of the innocent bystander, you know, the people who say shit like, I don't see color, people like that, right? Where we aim to ignore or to turn a blind eye because that's easier, because it feels as if the thing doesn't affect you, but we're all here shit is fucked up for every one of us so we're all affected right i've also played the role of savior i think a lot of the time this role comes from a feeling of guilt i've played this role as a privileged black person living in a low-income post-apartheid black south africa where i played a role of savior thinking that you know my people need me I don't know, some shit like that, because me and my humanities degree know better. Something like that, you know. And I get that these roles are fun. These roles are actually very fun. They feel sexy. They feel juicy. Because it's always someone outside of me that is wrong, and I am right. You know, and we're picking sides where I'm good, the other person is bad. I'm right, the other person is wrong. But you see how this doesn't create change. And in fact, a lot of these roles are actually disempowering. And these are just roles I've seen people playing 
within marginalized identities within activist groups even where people are coming together in the name of empowerment but then we play such roles and we bring such narratives to the table and these are disempowering because you make yourself inferior when you play the role of victim you give away your sovereignty you give away your sovereignty when you play the role of prosecutor because you're always pointing at someone outside of you you belittle others when you distance yourself from them or when you distance yourself from politics as a whole when you make yourself better or when you make yourself worse somehow i I don't know it's such a weird thing and i believe that we're all fully sovereign beings and we all have the power and the will to act and to make decisions we all have the will to create our own realities i believe that no matter what is happening in the world at a deep level we are free we're always free at a very deep level we are just god playing out the human drama we're currently in this season of if like humanity or earth and this reality that we experience if it's like a soapy we're currently in this season and when we play these roles be it the role of prosecutor or the role of victim or the role of innocent bystander or the role of savior when we play these roles we're taking on characters that only further immerse us in the soapy you know we're only further immersing ourselves into the drama. And I'm not saying that people choose to be marginalized or oppressed, that people want to be poor or minority or disadvantaged. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that shit isn't fucked up. I'm not saying that we aren't, that we are all like individually irresponsible or that we're individually in control of all of that, no. I know that the experience of oppression is very real. But what I do know is that we have the ability to choose how we perceive ourselves and how we perceive our reality. And I mean, I know that this is difficult because we are human and we do experience ourselves through the lens of an ego you know we will always see the world as we are never as as it is we do see and experience the world and ourselves through this lens that is the ego and the ego is a storyteller and the storyteller creates identities in the same way that a playwright creates characters for a drama And when we play these roles and we focus on these roles, we continue to create a reality where these roles are true. The human mind seeks only what it knows. It seeks to be affirmed. This is the concept of neuroplasticity. Donald Hebb's law that neurons that fire together wire together. Basically, the understanding that our perception creates our beliefs. Our beliefs drive our behavior and our behavior creates our reality. And then it circles right back to perception because 
then we have this reality and then we perceive it a certain way and then that creates our beliefs and then so on and so on and so on, right? And again, I'm not trying to say that we are cre- no, we are creating this reality. It, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to pretend here. I'm not going to try sound good. I'm not trying to invalidate the feelings that we have about these things. That's not what I'm doing. I'm not trying to say that our feelings about these things are our fault. Things are messy. Oppression is real. All I'm saying is that we need to be wary to not get caught up in the emotions. To not get caught up in them and letting them sit and become moods. Letting them sit and become identities. Letting them sit and create our reality. And I mean, I'm not the best person to talk about feelings. I spend 97% of my time dissociated. I'm still learning to feel my emotions and to be present with my emotions. But the one thing I do know about feelings is that there's a difference between a feeling and a narrative. There's a difference between a feeling and a narrative. There's a difference between an experience as it shows up, as it happens, There's a difference between that and the story that we tell in our minds in order to understand that experience. And all I'm saying is that we need to be aware. We need to be able to differentiate between the feeling and the story. Because the universe works like an algorithm. It feeds you what you engage with. And for me, this is just then the realization that our external reality isn't just the way it is for no reason. It is the way it is because our internal reality is that way. These systems that we try to fight against, they exist within each and every one of us. This is the universal law, the principle in hermeticism, as within, so without. It's not a coincidence that the reality that we live in, the world as we know it, it's not a coincidence that it is the way that it is. We play a role. We are creating this reality. Back to my algorithm analogy, though. The universe works like an algorithm. Because if, like on Instagram, for example, if you like pictures twice of people playing basketball the algorithm will think oh this person likes basketball and then it will feed you that and so that's currently what's happening we're playing these roles where we're choosing to be a victim or we're pointing out that this person is a villain where we're taking sides and playing roles when it comes to politics without realizing that that is creating this reality. And from there, it's easy to think that this algorithm that is the universe, it's easy to think that it's fucking us over, that we're just puppets on a string and it's having its way with us, that it hates us and it's handing us bad things, that God has abandoned us and then God is giving us his toughest battles. But no, the universe is neutral. The algorithm is neutral. It doesn't give a fuck. This reality only exists because we keep engaging with it. These narratives and these games and these roles that we play, they don't help us. They continue to create the reality that we say we don't want.
And I'm not going to lie. I'm just bored of these roles. I'm not going to lie. I'm so bored of the fact that we keep playing these roles because they continue to create this reality that we don't want. I can feel it in my bones that even my ancestors are bored. And they're saying, dude, play a different game. Move on to the next season of the soapy. Let's do something else. I can feel it. My ancestors are saying, dude, we have played this game already. We've run this season of the soapy before. And it's helped. It's gotten us so far. It's helped in many ways. But if you want to move on to the next season, you're going to have to play different characters, different roles. You can't be playing the same characters. I can also feel it that my ancestors are saying to me, we have given you so much more than these roles and these games. We've survived through so much. We have thrived through so much. And you have no right to give away your power, to give away your sovereignty playing such roles. It doesn't make sense to still be playing these roles, to still be running this season of the soapy. Because we say we don't want it. Playing these roles don't help us. It doesn't serve us. So why are we still here? You know, why are we still playing these roles? And I mean, I have many thoughts and theories about, you know, why it is that we could still be here. It makes sense. For example, one thing is the fact that a lot of the systems we live under currently can be traced back to colonialism and then I think of the fact that European colonialism of Asia and the Americas happened like 600 years ago European colonization of Africa happened like 500 years ago and that's not a long time that's relatively it's not a long time considering the fact that humans have been around for like millions of years right I'm thinking of the comedian. I saw a video of a comedian. Don't remember his name. But he was joking about how people generally live up to 100. And so colonialism only happened five, six people ago. So it makes sense that we're still playing these games and we're still playing these roles. We're still running this season of this soapy, right? It makes sense. It's quite difficult to break something. It hasn't been long, firstly, but it's also difficult to break cycles. It's very difficult to change an algorithm, to go back to that analogy. It's very difficult. Once you've told Instagram that you like babies, Instagram will think you like babies, and they will just give you babies. And then you'll try to tell Instagram, no, I'm not interested. But it will be like, nah, but you said. You said it that one time, you know. I get that it's very difficult to break out of cycles. Plus the fact that playing these roles feels nice. It feels nice to feel like you are right and someone else is wrong. It feels good to, to identify as a thing. And then we come together to identify, like a group of people who identify as a certain thing, and fight against something else, to have a common enemy. It feels good to be able to come together in that name. You know, I get why we're still playing these roles and why we're still here. And I understand that we haven't been running this season for a long time, and so it makes sense that we're still here. 
thinking of colonization though one of the biggest conversations in discourse around decolonization is a conversation on epistemology epistemology is a field in philosophy google defines epistemology as the theory of knowledge especially with regard to its methods validity and scope and the distinction between justified belief and opinion so basically epistemology is how we know things what we know and how we come to know the things that we know right how is this connected to decolonization i think the connection can best be understood using miriam makeba's words the words the conqueror writes history they came they conquered and they wrote our current perspectives are very european and very western what we know currently and how we come to know things is based on western and european standards and shocker but the roles that we play that create identities and that create the separation those are very european those are very western because these roles firstly perpetuate separation yes but they perpetuate individualism they say that there is a very specific person somewhere outside of me who is outside of me he's other who is wrong and i am right and individualism we know this is obviously guys come on come on i i'm getting fired up <laughs> this is a very western and european way of looking at things separation and individualism is the very thing that created these systems these systems that can be pointed back to colonialism so why are we playing roles that support the very thing that we're saying that we don't want like ah <laughs> like what is this what is this it doesn't make sense to me to point at someone else and to say that that person is wrong i am right that my group of people is right we are good and they are bad to create this distinction between me and you this us versus them this self versus other it doesn't work because at the end of the day the person you see as a villain you and that person are one me and the villain me and my enemy we are actually one me and the system are one and when i reject the system when i reject the villain when i reject my enemy i'm rejecting parts of myself i'm creating further separation i'm creating a reality where the role that i'm taking on continues but also i'm creating a reality where i don't have to take responsibility for the way that things are i can go on and pretend that it's someone else's responsibility i can pretend that we as humans all together aren't all creating this reality but we are we're all creating our reality racism lives inside me as a black person patriarchy lives inside me as a woman cis heteronormativity all of it it lives inside me as a queer person 
ableism lives inside me as a neurodivergent person. Colorism lives inside me as a dark-skinned person. You know, I'm continuing to create this reality too. It's not one person's responsibility. It's not one group of people's responsibility. We're not separate. Separation is an illusion. Separation isn't real. But I understand how we confused it because we do perceive separation. You know, we experience separation. I can tell that you are you and I am me. It is an illusion, but at the end of the day, we do experience separation. We perceive it. But here's the cool thing. Perspective and perception is creative. We get to choose how we perceive things. Therefore, we get to choose what we feed into the algorithm. We get to choose what reality we are creating. And I remember when I first came to this realization about the algorithm and how I'm also responsible for this reality. When I first came to this realization, I didn't want to talk or hear anything political. I didn't want to talk about anything political. Whenever a conversation about some system of oppression would come up, I would shut it out because I thought, if I don't think about these things, they won't affect me. If I don't talk about these things, then they won't affect me. And that was naive of me. It was a form of escapism. It was a form of bypassing. But honestly, that phase didn't even last long because I'd walk around and I'd spot everything everywhere. Like, capitalism is everywhere. Patriarchy, that's everywhere. Like, from the way that we walk and talk, these things are embedded in our bodies and our minds, in our ways of thinking, our ways of being, our ways of seeing, right? And because of this, it would be difficult to try to have a conversation about learning to be human, about being human, without taking into consideration that we live in the world that we live in. In fact, I don't think I would be on this journey of returning to the human. I don't think I'd be so committed to this work of learning to be human if we didn't live in the reality that we live in. I wouldn't be so interested in all of this if we didn't live in a reality that oppresses and suppresses true human expression and full human experience. And so now I see the need to talk about these systems that we operate under. I see why it's necessary to be aware of how this way of being affects us. It's difficult to not talk about these things when everything about our humanity, about our reality, is rooted in this interconnected system. And this isn't a bad thing, you know? Maybe it's not. Maybe everything, well, everything is exactly the way it's supposed to be. But clearly, there's a disaster. Clearly, we want change. And we need to take both individual and collective responsibility. We need to zoom out and to recognize our ego narratives, to recognize the stories that we tell, to separate the story from the experience, to recognize that we are responsible. I don't think there's any use in talking politics or talking anything about the political sphere as if it's this thing outside of us. 
as if it exists somewhere outside of us that we can point at because it exists within each and every one of us as within, so without. And I'm aware that we aren't in full control of what we'll go out into the world and experience, but I know that we have the creative capacity to perceive the world how we want to. This reality as it is was created by us humans and we continue to create it. And so we also have the will and the power to create a new and different reality. I think it's on us to choose to have perspectives that empower us and liberate us. Because if we say that so many things are against us, why would we have perspectives that further oppress us and further suppress our true human experience? We can choose to have perspectives that work for us and not against us. We can choose to have perspectives that free us. We can choose to see the nuance of reality and to not pick sides. So this is why I find it difficult to talk about politics. Because at the end of the day, we are human. And we see things not as they are, but as we are. And we're likely to bring these roles into conversations about politics. And that's okay. That's okay. It's not a bad thing. But I get afraid to speak on such things because I'm not trying to perpetuate these roles and these games. I would love to move on to a new season of The Soapy. So really, what I'm doing in this episode is asking for you. I kind of want to say, like, when we have these conversations, leave those roles at the door. But that, that's not the thing I'm doing here. What I want to ask of you is, sure, bring these roles that you play, the sides that you pick, bring them into the conversation, sure. All I'm asking is that you become aware of them and to be able to separate the experience from the story to be able to separate the truth from oh this is a weird thing to say the truth from your truth this is that can be unpacked a whole lot further so i'm gonna leave that one there but when i speak about politics i can only speak about my experiences and my observations i can speak about my concerns i can talk about how I contribute to the creation of this reality, how all these things live inside me and live inside all of us. I can only talk about politics in a way where I'm witnessing the devil inside me too. I can talk about politics when I'm talking about my desire for a different reality, for healthier systems. But I need to talk about the colonialist, white supremacist, capitalist, patriarchy, as Balhooks calls it. I need to talk about such things in order to make sense of them, but to separate the story in my head that says that someone else outside of me is separate and wrong and other. And I believe that if we look at things this way, if we talk about politics in this way, if we engage with politics in this way, that is how we'll move on to the next season. That's how we move on. So all I'm asking is that you keep this in mind next time you're having such conversations. B 
be it here on right where you are or like right where you are literally <laughs> here on the podcast and elsewhere to just keep this in mind let's create a different reality let's create the reality that we say we want let's live in the algorithm that we say we want there's a quote by james mccray he says be the glitch you want to see in the matrix and i love that so much it makes so much sense another quote and i'm actually just going to close this episode off with quotes the other quote uh, i didn't write the name down i'll let you know the name of the who yeah, the where these words come from but the quote that i think fits very perfectly with this episode goes concentrate on the seer not on the scene all that you see is false and the seer alone is true i'm gonna say that one again because the word seer is a weird word but i'm saying like seer as in you know a person who sees this quote is similar to Rene Descartes, I think, therefore I am. But it goes, concentrate on the seer, not on the scene. All that you see is false, and the seer alone is true. Yeah, that's it really. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being right where you are right now. I really appreciate your presence. And I'd like to leave you with just one more quote by Haile Selassie I, former emperor of Ethiopia. This quote goes, The problems which confront us today are equally unprecedented. They have no counterparts in human experience. Men search the pages of history for solutions, for precedents, but there are none. This, then, is the ultimate challenge. Where are we to look for our survival? For the answers to the questions which have never before been posed. We must look first to Almighty God, who has raised man above the animals and endowed him with intelligence and reason. We must put our faith in him, and he will not desert us or permit us to destroy humanity which he created in his image. And we must look into ourselves, into the depths of our souls. We must become something we have never been and for which our education and experience and environment have ill-prepared us. We must become bigger than we have been, more courageous, greater in spirit, larger in outlook. We must become members of a new race, overcoming petty prejudice, owing our ultimate allegiance not to nations, but to our fellow men within the human community. Welcome to Right Where You Are. <laughs>